Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Female Founders Network, a podcast brought to you by invoice to go I'm your host, Nat, and I'm joined by my co-host, Sylvie. Hey, everyone. We record our show in the Forbes Street studio in downtown Sydney, Australia, but we bring guests from all over the world. So you'll hear people from the U.S., the United Kingdom, Europe, the Asia Pacific, anywhere that we find women who lead and inspire others. This is a great podcast for women who are navigating business ownership, leadership, or just life. Each episode should connect you with someone else's story, but also leave you with practical tips and advice that you can use in your own life and in your own business. Happy Happy International International Women's Day! (laughs) Every day, Sylvie and I are absolutely overwhelmed by the love, support, leadership, and community we see growing in the Female Founders Network. As women's rights enthusiasts, business leaders, and strong believers in the power of sisterhood, nothing has filled us with more gratitude. So to celebrate all of you, we're going to dive into the history of International Women's Day today, as well as discuss the women leaders who have inspired us most on our journeys and our hopes for the future. From the bottom of our hearts, thank you for joining, listening, sharing and spreading the word about the Female Founders Network. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, guys. So today we are doing a very special episode. It's exciting. How are you feeling, Sylvie? Oh, I'm very excited for this one. (laughs) Okay, so it is International Women's Day. Small claps. Yeah, big, big freaking claps. Massive claps. Let's let's make our hands extra, put on flippers for this clap. Um, Yeah, so what is International Women's Day, Sylvie? Um, well, International Women's Day is celebrated every year on the 8th of March, and it marks a celebration of the economic, social, cultural, and political achievements of women. Um, and do you know how it started? Um, do you know what? We were just saying this, like, I've, every year I celebrate it, and every year I do the obligatory Instagram post to commemorate mm. International Women's Day, but no, I don't, like... I'm assuming it was like, I don't know, like in the 60s or 70s? Nope, nope. Um, It's older than that. So this is not just an Instagram trend or a trendy hashtag. Mm. Um, It actually is a really, really old tradition. So the first International Women's Day, sorry, the first National Women's Day was observed in the United States. And it wasn't in March. It was in late February, the very end of February, in fact. It was started by the Socialist Party of America. And they designated that day to honor the 1908 garment workers' strike in New York. So I don't know if you guys know anything about the history of the garment industry in New York. No. Okay. So women used to work (laughs) in factories for almost nothing um, during the Industrial Revolution and early 1900s in New York City. Right? Um, And it was—they were working in extremely unsafe— conditions. Yeah. And all kinds of terrible things happened, um, including a really, really horrendous fire that you can look up now um, where women were trapped inside the factory. And yeah, it's it's extremely sad. Um, These women didn't have much power. This is like before labor laws as well, where you had like a 40 hour week. Yes. And so like they had these big bosses kind of working them um, for almost no money. And a lot of these women had no choices. You know, something had happened. Maybe they had kids on their own. They were living kind of like in the the ghetto-y parts of the city. Mm. um, And they had to support their families and blah, blah, blah. So it was really, really bad working conditions for women until they started striking and standing out. And at the same time in the United States during this time, Mm. we were fighting for the vote. 
So it was a time to be a righteous babe. And there are, you know, tales of women being beaten in the streets for yeah. striking for better working conditions and the right to vote. When did American women get the right to vote? What year was that? Um, I think it was ratified in 1920, but passed in 1919. I should know this for sure. We can Google it, but yeah, yeah, it was it was after a lot of other countries. And we just did an episode on voting right before the election happened mm. and the women's right to vote. So. The first International Women's Day was actually started, sorry, the first National Women's Day, which then turned into International Women's Day, was actually started to honor those workers who were striking for better working conditions. Oh my God, that's, that's amazing. How good, huh? Yeah, no, I had no idea. I didn't know it was that old. I just kind of assumed it was something that would happen like in the more woke time of like the 70s when there was more liberation for women. The second wave of feminism, yeah. if you will. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot more sense. It's the interesting thing about it is we think we're so everybody, human beings, right? We're caught up in our own perspective. Mm-hmm. And we're like, like, I just get so, sometimes I'm just like, oh. Why are we still fighting for pay equality? Mm. Like, why? Why? Mm-hmm. But women in, if you if you put yourself into a world perspective, right, and think about the generations of women who have fought before you, mm. it's like these women were working in factories with, like, no fire safety. Like, if there was a fire in a garment factory yeah. before the invention of flame-retardant chemicals, yeah. they would die. When they don't have, like, proper electricity either, so it's all, like, fire, like, candles. Right. <laughs> They're burning oil or whatever, or it's, like, proper, like, the beginning, whatever. We've really come They've a long got, way. Yeah, yeah. These women are, like, mm. these are such badasses, and they're getting beaten in the streets, and there's no... There's no repercussion, you know, Mm. like they actually are protesting and they're scared for their lives half the time and they're striking and they're scared for their lives. And there's no like iPhone to capture and publicize a woman, you know, something bad happening to her. It Mm. would just happen to you'd end up in the hospital. You would have to go home and take care of your children when you got better. Mm. And that was it. So you had to believe in it that much. Yeah. There's a British activist called Emmeline Pankhurst. Have you heard about her? Tell me. (laughs) Tell me about her. (laughs) She um, campaigned for the right to vote in the early 1900s. She was a massive activist and she actually flung herself in front of a horse, the king's horse, and died. Oh, my God. Protesting for the women's right to vote in the UK. It's insane. Yeah. So, like, when you think about what these women went through... Uh, hunger strikes. Yeah. Like, and a lot of them had children at home Yeah, to raise, you know, and to worry about. Like, if something happens to me, like, the number one thing that I always think, if something happens to me, who is going to support, feed, and love my children? Do you know what's interesting, actually? Many of the early activists in the early 1900s, um, in, the, in Britain anyway, were actually um, from uh, wealthier families because yeah. they actually had the time to be able to go out and protest and... They didn't need the money to go work as much. Interesting. So, like, a huge portion of, of women who were actually protesting and who are activists were in the, like, more wealthier socioeconomic grades. And do you know that's quite admirable as well? Because if mm. you think about it, if you're born a rich kid, yeah. right, like, if you're a trust fund baby or whatever today, mm-hmm. like, you don't have to, like, you don't feel called as much, I don't know, I'm not a trust fund baby, so I'm speaking, like, from my own assumption. Yeah. But these... 
they're not facing the same things, right? Like, like you don't have to, if you're rich, you don't have to worry about, okay, I really need to make up this gender pay gap because yeah. I've got to support my two kids or I've got, you know, whatever. So it's, it's really admirable as on every side. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was just thinking about like, these people were called to do this because of their conscience. Yeah, and I wonder if because they were wealthy, they had more access to education and they were well-read. Right. They probably started to question why they weren't having equal opportunities when they were, you know, probably in many situations at dinner parties, cleverer and wittier than their male counterparts. Perhaps. <laughs> like, why can you vote and I can't? Like, <laughs> right, like, why do you get an opinion? Yeah. You know, and they're like, they're, they're reading up. They're really interested. They want to make change. They want to mm. take leadership roles. And then they're like, well, why don't we get an opinion? Yeah, I can't yeah. imagine living in that world. I'm so outspoken. You I can't, are. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. really are. I really can't imagine someone telling me. Sometimes like, like, <laughs> next time we could package that a little differently before we say. <laughs> can you imagine me in that time? No, I would be. Like, I can't. You'd like, beat put people. in the stocks. Yeah. Like, oh you would be one of the witches burned at the stake. I genuinely would. My mum said that before. She was like, I would be the witch. That You'd was look like, at this, the the tribunal. And be like, burn me, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather burn than be I'd silenced. Burn. <laughs> yes. But, yeah. Anyway, Oof. the theme for 2021 of International Women's Day, I think, is a brilliant one and it is choose to challenge. So that's actually the hashtag um, that we can all use this year mm. to have discussions and to raise awareness about International Women's Day. And what International Women's Day have said about the Choose to Challenge theme is that a challenged world is an alert world. Individually, we're all responsible for our own thoughts and actions all day, every day. Mm. We can choose to challenge and call out gender bias, discrimination and stereotypes. We can choose to seek out and celebrate women's achievements. Collectively, we can create an inclusive and more gender equal world. From challenge comes change. So let's all choose to challenge. I love that. Mm. And it brings me to an important discussion point that I want I want to hear your opinion about. Okay. Okay. So in my younger years, mm. I was known to be a bit of an asshole about this. <laughs> what do you mean? So like when men would say or anyone would say something misogynist or, or gender, you know, I would just be like, hey, how about you not be a sexist? jerk mm-hmm. right but I wouldn't use the word jerk I'd use all kinds of colorful words yeah um you know in my early 20s like you're full of chutzpah if yeah. you will right and as I've gotten older to the ripe old age of almost 37 <laughs> I've realized that the most effective way to challenge an idea and to change people is through understanding and education mm-hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So like I've changed my whole approach. It's taken like over a decade. (laughs) But instead of being like, you know, when when you find out that there's a pay gap, you could freak freak the F out. Yeah. You could, you know, call your boss a misogynist jerk. You could do this. You could do that. Or Mm -hmm. this and this is just an example. um, Or you could go up to him and say, hey. I've recently recently realized that there's a massive pay gap, mm-hmm. you know. Here's what I think I'm worth. Can you tell me why mm-hmm. you you decided to pay me less? Ah, and and give put them, it on them. Put it on them, but mm-hmm. not in like a really like like just give and what happens a lot of the time is when people have to explain themselves and their perspective, yeah. They realize that they're being discriminatory themselves. Mm. 
and they you're getting them to reflect and you're educating them in a way. Yeah, but it's like they think that they came up with it on their own because you're making... <laughs> <laughs> it's true, it's true. They're like, oh, I've had a self-realization. Yeah. You're like, have you? But no, but you know, it's and that's the kind of thing. Like, I had this moment with one of my best guy friends where he's like, we're talking about Congress. And I was like, there are only this many women in Congress, you know, blah, blah, blah. This is a massive problem. And he's like, well, how many do you want? And I was like... 50%, dude. Yeah. We're 50% of the population. It should be around 50%. Mm. And he, like, for the first time, he's like, oh, you are 50% of the population, you know? <laughs> and it was like it. this this way. And I turned into, like, a little bit of a joke. But, yeah. you know, when you do it from, like, kindness and, like, try to meet them on their level uh-huh. and not be like, you're an idiot, but be like, hey, I realize that because of the culture we grew up in, you might not realize these things, but here's some facts maybe you haven't considered. Yeah. And do you have any questions for me or is, what are your thoughts? You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So rather than being combative, you're actually being more like yes. just open and welcoming discussion, which is actually a complete opposite to how our um, uh, clove-burning striking women of the 1900s did it well holy shit man they were in a they were in a position yeah i mean when you are in a backed into a corner where you have to defend yourself and it's a life or death situation yeah that is different Mm. we you know and if anyone out there has been in a life or death situation of course you fight and of Mm. course you take care of yourself and you take care of your kids you take care of your loved ones etc um, that's what position those women were in. And mm. in, in some p- cases, like when it comes to domestic violence against women, all of this stuff, those things are completely unacceptable and those are life or death situations. Mm. And of course of we that. fight. It's a zero tolerance policy. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to these softer issues, you know, people talking over you in meetings, you yeah. know, women being paid less in the workforce, like all of these softer issues that we have to fight, yeah. we can scream at people and they will shut down immediately or start defending themselves, which is the worst thing. Or we could try to come at them with a place of understanding, yet persistence. So you come at subtle bias with subtle redirection. Yes. <laughs> subtle education. <laughs> subtle learning moments. Like, hey, let's learn this together. Let's let's figure it out. Has there ever been a time where... So I was thinking about this, mm-hmm. this choose to challenge and calling out gender bias. Yes. And how actually sometimes that can be quite a hard thing to do. Yes. And... And a quite sensitive thing to do. And I was thinking about a time when I was in a meeting a few years ago Mm. and it was with two car insurance brokers (laughs) and a lawyer and me. (laughs) I know. And it was this like legal, it was all like legal people. I went for a law firm doing marketing randomly. And um, we were talking about car claims and how... Um, I can't remember the exact context, but it was basically something about different types of cars and what people would try and get away with kind of thing. Hmm. And then one of the guys said um, something car related like, yeah, but this, you know, like who who doesn't know what brand of car they've got? Like everyone knows that, like what they drive. Right. And then they looked at me and I said, and I kick myself to this day, I went, even I know what I drive. Even I. Yeah. Isn't that fucked? Yes, completely. And as soon as I said it, they all did this kind of like knowing laugh. And it was in the knowing laugh that that I realized what I had just said and how I had completely betrayed my gender. And I was mortified of myself. And I still am now. You know, sometimes when you're just driving or you're in the shower, then you go like, 
oh, why did I do that? Yeah, and you can't get it out of your head. And years later, you're still remembering that comment that you made. Yeah, and I think about that and I think, why did I do that? Was I trying to like appease the men in the meeting in the moment? Was you were. I, yeah, I, I completely mm-hmm. was. And I feel like that is something that is actually quite a common thing that we do as yes. women to make people feel more comfortable. And, yeah. um, and we go out of our way to make people feel comfortable in situations because yeah. that's what, we're told to do as females I think everybody tries to make everybody well not everybody right Mm -hmm. a lot of people have an inclination to make others feel comfortable yeah I think women are judged more on it and we know that we're judged more on it societally speaking like is is she likable where we know that we're judged on that so you're trying really hard to do that but here's the thing We are all culturally conditioned, right? No matter how woke of a woman you are now, Mm -hmm. you were a little girl at one point that was being raised in a specific society. And even if you had the coolest parents ever who were super, super feminist and Mm -hmm. super like, you know, a a champion of the underdog and a champion of this and that, you still went to school with other kids and whatever. Mm -hmm. And you had these certain things that were ingrained in you and you are unlearning them, Mm -hmm. right? Like... The other day, I was in a meeting with my boss, and I said, manpower, now that we have the manpower. Oh. <laughs> and it's because I worked in America for over a decade, and yeah. they were mostly men in the room, and they'd say things like, do we have the manpower for this, or can yeah. we hit it out of the park? All of these, like, sports analogies and, like— They're kind of just, like, idioms as well, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, right. Yeah. And I said, oh, Mm. now that we have the manpower. And I'm like, people power. Yeah. (laughs) And I am the big, biggest, like, flag-flying feminist, Mm. you know, and and champion of women. And it comes out of my mouth, you know. So you can't beat yourself up. But I think it's interesting that you still remember that moment. Yeah, I know. It's, like, burned into my consciousness. Can't get it out. No. But I think that's an like it is an interesting point that we we've both just had that reflection. I, I'm thinking mm-hmm. anyone that's listening probably has their own kind of, you know, examples of this happening as well. So, my, I'm telling myself now, right now in this moment, it's okay. It's exactly what you just said. Like it's our conditioning, and we just have to be consciously aware. And then in the moment, if we are in the moment, correct ourselves and yes. then reflect on it for yes. the next step. Like you said with Dead Said Manpower and then immediately like, hold on a minute, people power is what I mean. Yes. I even hate things like, don't be such a girl. Don't be so girly. Oh, like yeah. men say that to each other like as if being a girl is an insult. And I think it's really important if you see men do that to each other to call them out on it and I've started to do this and I actually love to call them out on this yeah you know what's really interesting about femininity being associated with weakness First of all, we live longer we are actually the stronger sex we are the hardier sex like in in a in a drought in a in a a situation where there's no food mm. there are extreme conditions men men are going to die first like we store body fat better yeah. we are hardier we give birth we grow and give birth to people yeah our bodies literally open up so that we can push another human out of them and we don't die like it is amazing I mean even I'm I'm you know when expecting my daughter I'm talking to the the doctor and we're talking about premature labor and going into labor and and the types of things that baby happen to babies yeah and he said well you don't have to worry about a lot of these lung conditions that can happen to preemies because you're having a girl 
huh. girls don't need the the um, assistance as preemies that really? boys typically do because they're hardier and mature faster in the womb. No way. We, we mature mentally faster. Like women are so strong mm. and we are continually like associated with weakness mm. because we feel things on a deep level. Yeah. And it's, it's real, it, which is another strength in mm. and of itself, the yeah. intuition, the empathy that we naturally have. Mm-hmm. So all of this superficial strength that is mm-hmm. associated with masculinity you know, or the 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 kind of chest beating or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a bit silly, right? Like yeah. it's a bit silly. Like women are just so strong. Yeah, it's- these are, these are the stereotypes that we still need to break through. And and like, I think we've discussed this before on other episodes about how men also should be able to feel right. their emotions and express and not yeah. be thought of as weak, and then not be called big girls' blouse. That's a saying in the UK <laughs> oh, that wow. people say. <laughs> Huh. <laughs> for when someone's being soft yeah it's really they just call them like a, a wussy or like a sissy which yeah. comes from the word sister huh. which is just it's interesting yeah. it's, it's like why are all these insults associated with femininity yeah and then that's why we have these unconscious biases yeah mm. the interesting thing that I find um, about femininity is it's celebrated when it's seen as sexy or desirable to men mm-hmm. generally speaking like you know femininity is celebrated in mass media when we see things like you know women um putting on a show in like a a studded bikini like at a halftime show and dancing around and this and that because it's seen as sexy and desirable but then you know there's so many other facets of femininity and that's that's great like if if women want to be proud of their bodies and show off their bodies and you know you work hard for that Right. Mm. Um, but there's so many other facets of femininity that should be celebrated. Absolutely. You know. And all- that's why I'd like our next discussion point to be about female leaders. Yes, and please. Who has inspired you the most um, in the sense of like challenging gender stereotypes? Oh, challenging gender. Okay, well, the first, so Ruth Bader Ginsburg um, challenged with Lily Ledbetter. She obviously challenged so many things, right, mm-hmm. um, it, at a court level. And and the reason that she's on my mind is she had this really fair way of looking at the world. And mm-hmm. she didn't always make decisions that I agree with, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Like she, she really didn't. Um, sometimes I would have made the opposite decision, but I understand the logic that she used mm-hmm. in making the decisions that she made. Yeah, and she was, she had such a way of containing herself and delivering a message, even when, you know, I could see myself in her shoes, and think about how much I would want to scream (laughs) at the other (laughs) justices. Why are you being such assholes? How are you so ignorant about this? Right. And she, she like would deliver the, the, these dissensions, if you will, is that Mm. the right word? She would dissent Dissent, with such poise and eloquent Mm. language yeah. That you could not help but shut up and listen. She's a legend. She's a legend. (laughs) Um, so I love that. Um, the more, and I didn't know a ton about um, Kamala Harris before mm. she became the vice president nominee, to be honest with you. Yeah. I hadn't paid a ton of attention to her. 
Um, and she's done some amazing things. Mm. She's done some other things that I'm like, huh, interesting throughout her career that I would not have necessarily chosen for myself. Yeah. Like decisions and, and things that she's been involved in. But I can see. In her role as a prosecutor. Yes. Yeah. But I can see why. And I can see like in with her career and her, you know, and we all learn and grow through mm. our careers. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, Michelle Obama has always been a beacon and light of hope. Yeah. Since I became oh, aware of her. She's amazing. Oh my gosh, her words, her she's such a beautiful her human poise. being. She's got this like X Factor star quality, doesn't she? Oh yeah. <laughs> um, Rupi Carr, the poet, mm. is a huge inspiration in my life right now. Yeah. Um, she's so raw and real, and she talks about things that are really, really, really hard to talk about in the most beautiful way. Mm. Um, I've read a poem of hers that was five or six lines long, and just sat and cried. Because she has such a beautiful way. And and we need those moments where we're self-reflecting and really, yeah. like, coming to our core. Yeah. Um, hmm. That right now is what I can think about. Oh, my gosh. Well, there's some, like, blockbuster titles. <laughs> <laughs> Female leaders. They are. But it's funny because um, most of those are kind of, like, from the American perspective. And, and you know. It's true. And the ones that I going to talk about are actually all British. Yes, so, please tell me. But I think, yeah, so the first lady, my first experience of being inspired by a woman yeah. was when I was at school and we went to Paris on a on a trip. And yeah. part of this trip to Paris as a school trip was going to a conference to hear entrepreneurs and, and leaders speak. Yeah. And this blonde lady walked onto the stage and her name was Michelle Moon. And this is a Scottish businesswoman who started Ultimo Bras, which are kind of like Wonder Bra. Okay. Um, and she, her story was just amazing. And she grew up really poor in Scotland and then uh-huh. f- decided that she really wanted to start a bra company and basically put all her own money into it. And she's a completely self-made millionaire. Yeah. And she was also so enchanting and, like, I was just completely erupted with her she was incredible the way she spoke the way she talked about her experiences the way she built her business um and how she was the leader and her husband was more of a stay-at-home husband it completely challenged the gender norms that I had been you know accustomed to yeah and me and my friends were all sat in the room we all looked at each other like who what wow what a woman like we couldn't stop talking about her yeah she really really in that moment was like the first time I've been so inspired by someone what year was this do you think um it will have been 2007 or okay 2006 all right yeah it was how, my, like, how old were you 17 17 yeah yeah that's when it starts yeah it's like you're like, like oh huh. Yeah, <laughs> there's something else here. I don't have to be a stay-at-home mom. <laughs> <laughs> and well, it was kind of like I don't know. I never thought saw myself as a stay-at-home mom, but I just didn't really have any reference points for people that because this was all before Instagram yeah. and Facebook and everything. Yeah. Like, so I don't unless you go out looking for people. Yeah, you don't always know about them. So now I feel like we're quite lucky in in the way that our social media introduces us to people that we've never heard of before because someone's sharing them with us and yeah. the algorithm knows that we like feminist things. So here you go. Here's someone else that you can... <laughs> Here's another woman leader yeah. to admire. I think that's like the classic, um, mm. our generation, I say our loosely because you're much younger than me, but um, the millennial woman generation, yeah. it's the classic narrative that I hear. Like yeah. my mom was a stay-at-home mom. There's nothing wrong with being a stay-at-home mom. It's mm. one of the hardest jobs in the world. But... Um, you know, and and I didn't want to be, I wanted to be a career lady, but I didn't know who to look at. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. Yeah. The second 
one that I then discovered. Yeah. Um, through, so in the UK, Shark Tank is actually called Dragon's Den. Mm. And one of the dragons. Was oh, you've elevated it. It's not just a tank of sharks. It's a whole dra- <laughs> it's a den, den of dragons. Of dragons because Wrong. we're medieval in this <laughs> On this side of the I world. I know, it does sound more <laughs> <laughs> yes. I also like the alliteration. Dragons dead. Dragons dead. <laughs> All right, keep going. Sorry. One of the dragons was a lady called Karen Brady. Mm-hmm. And she also has a super inspiring story um, and completely... Um, oh, Sorry. It wasn't Dragon's Den at all. It was The Apprentice. <laughs> it was The Apprentice. Everyone, sorry, like everyone. But there is a Dragon's Den. There is a Dragon's Den. That, okay. that is a true story. But I just got my my dens and my apprentices mixed up. All the That's different fine. boardrooms. It was The Apprentice. Yeah. It, was, it was on BBC One, and in the UK, um, it wasn't with Donald Trump. It was with a um, a man called Lord Alan Sugar. Okay. Um, and what's he, that guy like? He's small and loudmouthed and like quite funny to watch opinionated like, yeah. okay gotcha <laughs> he's great though he's very good tv mm. um anyway so she became his kind of like you know, i don't know if it's the same on the on the u.s program but um she would be his consultant who would help him decide on who the apprentices were and yeah. i looked into her story and it turns out she's she is now a baroness yeah. when she was 23 years old she became managing director of birmingham city football club So not only was she female doing that role, but she was also so young. And she actually oversaw the company's flotation in 1997 and became the youngest managing director of a UK PLC. And I was so, I I couldn't believe it. Firstly, I couldn't believe that she liked, like, you know, that she wanted to be the managing director of a football club. That Mm. to me was just complete gender stereotype blown out you'd have to deal with a lot of drunk guys yeah (laughs) (laughs) but also footballers and that whole culture is very like especially in the 90s it is like in the in the uk as well like i don't know how much you know about football in the uk but Uh, i've been on a train with some very enthusiastic hooligans before i would hate to like personally i would not so she was another one that (laughs) yeah just inspired me in the sense that she did something so different and and completely challenge these gender norms that yeah. um, that we're reflecting on today as part of Choose to Challenge. Um, and then the last person I've recently discovered um, is a lady called Dame Stephanie Shirley, who actually is Dame Steve Shirley. Because in the 60s, when she was trying to get a job, um, no one wanted to know her uh-huh. as Stephanie. She wouldn't have anyone write back to her. She couldn't get interviews. She couldn't meet anyone. So she actually changed her name to Steve (laughs) and then would be invited to (laughs) interviews and then would show up. And then she obviously blew them away because she was really intelligent and a wonderful woman and um, very, very clever. And yeah, so Steve Shirley became a dame later in life. Her first business that she founded in 1962, so this is really ahead of the game, uh-huh. was a software company called Freelance Programmers huh. in the 60s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's on it. She's really on it. And she's and since then done a lot of philanthropy and received honours and um, has like the Queen's honours and everything. And she, she is now still very vibrant and talking about all of these issues and is a real feminist leader. But I just love the fact that she's called Steve. <laughs> That's amazing. You know what's so funny? So um, my mom uh, named me Natalie, right? Mm-hmm. And 
it's she was like kind of ahead of the trend. Mm. It's like early 80s and it wasn't a trendy name. Yeah. She just loved it. She wanted me to be sophisticated, apparently. Oh. Sorry, mom. <laughs> um, but she so anyway, so the name Natalie became really popular in the 90s, you know, about mm. a decade later. And so I noticed that I wasn't taken as seriously huh. when I used my full name professionally. Really? So I shortened it to Nat. Yeah, because people make assumptions. I've got I I use this really good eye cream, you guys, but people make assumptions about how old they think I am. Yeah, yeah, you do look really young. And they and then I noticed like people it's just the name was young, you know, I'm mm. kind of silly, you know, and I this whole persona they're like, "Oh, oh thank you. <laughs> it's a really good eye cream." And genetics, thanks mom for that too. Um, but she, you know, and so people would assume they'd be like, oh, she's probably about this age. And they yeah. wouldn't give me, and then they'd be really, really surprised. They'd be like, oh, how do you know that? How do you, I'm like, well, mm. you know, I'm turning 37 years old. <laughs> <laughs> That's why. Um, but yeah, so it's it's interesting how mm. biases are yeah. drawn based on a name. From names. Well, even like, this isn't a women's issue, but um, they've done studies to show that and unfortunately, when um, Muslim men have, you know, had their real names on um, job applications, that they don't get as many callbacks as they do if they call themselves something like Adam. Crazy. In the UK, they did some studies on this. Wow, that is and so sad. It just shows that there's discri- discrimination everywhere. Yes. And it's something that we all need to be conscious of and stay woke. And, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So I want to finish up the story about International Women's Day okay. because you hit on on a couple uh, true truisms mm. in your earlier assumptions about the the holiday. Mm-hmm. So um, how did we get to the March eighth holiday that we have now from that original huh. t-shirt? Sorry, not t-shirt, but um, garment worker strike in the early nineteen hundreds. Um, so I'm guessing that it will have something to do with the second wave of feminism then in the 60s and 70s. It eventually will. <laughs> oh, wow. So That's a story. in 1910, mm. the Socialist International was a meeting that happened in Copenhagen. Mm-hmm. Um, and it established Women's Day. So that was the next year after yep. this day honoring the strike, the workers on strike. Um, and so this was an International Women's Day. It was still not on March 8th, um, but it was to honor the movement for the women's right for women's rights, including the right to vote in many countries and build and support um, universal suffrage. Mm-hmm. Um, then in 1911, this day is celebrated in a number of European countries and the, in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, however, this celebration occurs on March 19th. So they're kind of jumping around here. <laughs> okay. So every year it's different. <laughs> and they do this to commemorate the revolution of the 1848 Commune de Paris, um, in addition to the right to vote and hold public office. Um, and they demanded a woman's right to work, to vocational training, and to end demonstrations. Just discrimination on the job, which is something we are still fighting for today. Mm. Um, then, in 1913, International Women's Day became a mechanism for protesting World War I. As part of the peace movement, Russian women observed their first International Women's Day on the last Saturday of February. So we've jumped back. Yeah. Same season, though. 
you know so we've got a women season. from all over the world are kind of all celebrating coming in, like, together time yes yeah. and that's what we do we're so good <laughs> um elsewhere in europe um around the 8th of march but not necessarily on the exact day women held rallies to either protest the war or expre- express solidarity with other activists hmm. in 1915 the first world war was full on and a huge gathering of women is held in the Netherlands on the 15th of April. So we've jumped a little bit more um, to, discuss, the to discuss these <laughs> issues, perhaps. Um, and then 1917, while the war, war is still raging, women in Russia again chose to protest and strike for bread and peace on the last Sunday of February. Four days later, the czar abdicated and the provisional government granted women the right to vote. So they, they got some shit done in Russia. Nice. Yeah. And now um, we actually didn't get an official International Women's Day on the 8th of March until 1975. Woo. So, yes, the second wave of feminism, our mother's generation. Yeah. Um, Reignited it. Yes, they did. They were total badasses. Well, my mother's generation. Mm. When was your mother born? 57. This been, yeah, this would have been her generation. Yeah. yeah. Um. So during the International Women's Year of 1975, the United Nations began celebrating on the 8th of March, International Women's Day. And two years later, in in December 1977, the General Assembly adopted a resolution proclaiming a United Nations Day for women's rights and international peace to be observed. And since then, the United (laughs) Nations and other agencies have worked tirelessly to secure gender equality worldwide with great outcomes achieved, the 1995 Beijing Declaration and Platform for Action, a historic roadmap signed by 189 governments, which focused on 12 critical areas of concern, the inclusion of uh, Goal 5, Achieve Gender Equality and Empower All Women and Girls, and the 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development and others. Amazing. What so, a history. Yes. So much more depth than I thought. Yes. Originally. Truly a global movement. And um, if you are listening and you, you, you know, you're celebrating International Women's Day and then you get hit with men saying, where's the new International Men's Day? There is. It's on November the 19th. So <laughs> is that, you can hit back at is them. Is that the voice that they use? Yes. They complain about it? Uh, yeah. Twitter trolls being like, where's there an International Women's Day and there's no International oh, Women's Day? Gosh. Like it happens every year. Every time you celebrate this, like there's some people that come oh. out of the woodwork and have something to say about it. And, and have, then they're like, why? Equal. <laughs> like, why is it so hard for me to find a girlfriend? <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, it's those guys. Because mm, you're being a jerk. <laughs> You're not supporting women. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. So anyway, happy International Women's Day to everyone out there. We are so, so grateful for you. This podcast has meant the world to me. How about you? Oh, my God. Same. I'm learning so much and I'm so inspired every time we do an episode with someone new. And even just learning things like this makes me so happy. So we've actually dedicated this entire week's podcast episodes to be for International Women's Day. So... Yes. So you guys get out there, um, create change from a place of understanding, Mm. persistence and education, if you can. Mm. 
create those, you know, beautiful Instagrams. We want to see your gorgeous faces and use the choose to challenge hashtag and join in with others. Yeah. And please tag us as well at the Female Founders Network on Instagram. If you are posting about International Women's Day, we would we want to see it. And we'll share them on our stories. So we will re-share them, yeah. please. Yeah. Tag the Female Founders Network. We would love it. All right. Take care. This podcast was brought to you by invoice to go We're an invoicing and billing app that helps business owners work and get paid from anywhere at any location around the globe. We're helping close the gender-based pay gap. Because the current U.S. pay gap sits at around 19%, listeners of the Female Founders Network podcast get exactly 19% off of any subscription. Just enter the code EMPOWERWOMEN at checkout.